Hello, and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network, where we dive deep into Wabo's most shortest work, five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. And we are here for our penultimate episode, or tri-ultimate if you count the live stream. Um, we'll be talking about Judgment 16.12, but a bit of an announcement before that. Yeah, so we've been highlighting sections of uh, the, the stream um, at the start of each episode. Uh, but today's one is, yeah, half segment highlight, half announcement, because yeah. we've uh, we've sort of been lying about one of, what one of them is, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Tricking. Or it's been a hiding. trick. Yes, An innocent trick. jape. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... The segment that has been put in the calendar as uh, I think I think it was down as Word of God mm-hmm. talk um, is is going to be living up to its name because Wabo is going to be joining us for that one. Yeah, we're really excited. I think it's Wabo's first proper audio interview thing. He's coming on the stream to help support charity, and we'll be talking to him about his thoughts about Pact, um, how he's how he's feeling about it these days. You know, five years on. Um, and all kinds of cool things. So um, we're really excited that he's agreed to come on, and hopefully you guys are excited to uh, to have us chat to him as well, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So we're lining up a bunch of questions, and it's going to be, yeah, like I, I'm super excited for this, and yeah. hopefully, hopefully people will come along to join in on the chat. Yeah, yeah to catch the man himself. Um, yep, we'll, we'll be kind of interviewing him, we'll be chit-chatting with him, and you can uh, probably pop some questions in uh, Twitch, and we'll kind of vet them and ask him if we think that they're good questions and i'll probably steal credit but elliot probably won't no yeah i'll steal them that's fine oh yeah cool 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 so if you want to have your questions asked of wabo without attribution (laughs) 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 then uh, come join us for the parahumans oh sorry not the parahumans now that's the part before no for the uh, word of god discussion (laughs) yeah um so yeah, with that uh, big announcement out of the way, should we uh, should we dive? Yeah, into let's judgment? dive into this second last chapter of sorts. Um, Rose has just claimed her new throne, and she she says to the group, "Hey, hey, buy me some time so I can enjoy relaxing in this shiny new chair." <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's really funny how she sort of is like, "Buy me time," and Blake's just like, "Uh, okay." Mm. Um, especially since he's not able to do much anymore. But um, I really like how. This, uh, when Rose asks of this, the, the thing Blake does is kind of survey the battlefield and give us the the update on where everyone's at. And that yeah. was really necessary for me because, like, the second half of last chapter was completely dedicated to Blake and Rose to the point where I didn't know where anyone was anymore. Yes, totally. So I, I really did need this update on, on where everyone except green eyes uh is yeah um, still no mention of her this chapter right <laughs> or blake mentions her when he thinks was that green eyes no she's yeah. too injured to be in, doing anything yeah his thought process goes from oh no she's too injured to be moving like that just n- never back to yeah the fact that she's really injured and he should yep. be concerned about that um but yeah um and i mean it, it also sets the stage like this this observation of everyone for, for blake's role this chapter which is just as an observer He's kind of beyond the point where he can really actually do much. <laughs> he, he does one thing later in the chapter and, yeah. and we'll get there. And it takes there, him but... the whole chapter to build up to <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it's like, it, you know, this chapter is really Blake watching what he's helped happen. happen. Yeah, yeah um, totally. But, but him, him opening by just surveying everyone else kind of helps get us in that frame of mind, which I thought was, was really nice. Yeah. Um, 
and 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 bike also lists all the others separately from the humans uh, <laughs> I, I noticed which was like a fun little you know he's just separated himself from his own humanity so i guess yep. he's doubling down on that well yeah and he's obviously more closely um friendly with the remaining others than he is with the humans right well no like that's the thing the others that are left is like well yeah sure the, green the eyes nurse. and evan aren't part of it but i mean <laughs> yeah, in general it... he's more aligned with others i suppose i mean yeah but like that's that's some boogeyman he doesn't even know in butt sack so like that's not a good sign if, yeah, if true. that's, if that's where we're his closest friend at the moment <laughs> yeah like i i don't I don't. I don't want to say that about Blake. I, I still have hope for him. Um, yeah. Not. Not that he'll become a real human boy again, but he that he could get some sort of happy ending. So yeah. I'm gonna assume he just did it because he sees the world as human versus other. Um, yeah. Now that he's on one side of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. So here's something, Elliot, that we didn't talk about last chapter, which is that there was a bit, a little bit ago, where Blake was offered the choice to sit in a throne. And it would kind of be a, a big sacrifice, but he would save a lot of people. And now Rose sitting in this throne is kind of her final act of like, yes, we've won. Is that is there anything there? I, I was trying to think about whether there's any like hmm. interesting theming there that we could pull out. But I, I can't pull out anything beyond the fact that they both involve chairs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's interesting. I, I hadn't thought of that. Um, I mean, they're obviously very different situations. Um before I realized you were talking about um, Blake's job offer from the abyss, my my first thought for some reason was when people were asking Blake if he was going to be the Lord of Con, uh, the Lord oh, of Toronto right. after he beat Conquest. Yeah, and like like got me through this thing. Like Blake has never wanted to do that, whereas yeah. I think Rose was always built to be a bit of a ruler. Maybe maybe yes. not built to, but she she obviously since since she got infected by Conquest. Well, um, yeah, like, and it just kind of fits her. Like she definitely yeah, has this kind of regal air i suppose well and like her whole thing right was she's built to last and to kind of out last everyone and sit there and so of course yeah the way she can do that powerfully is is like from a throne yeah totally so it might just be highlighting sort of the difference between these two blake is someone who can't sit somewhere and lord over everyone whereas rose absolutely can can and and wants to (laughs) and does yeah um yeah, true. Fair enough. Uh, so, of course, the the real hero of this chapter, now that Blake is basically unable to do anything, reduced to just an arm at this point, um, <laughs> the real hero of this chapter is Bristles, who is the best, yep. and uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to be the protagonist of Pack 2, because <laughs> who else is worthy? <laughs> yeah, Bristles fucking kicks ass in this chapter. And, and I mean, you, you already sort of compared him to Blake as a joke, but I'm, I'm actually going to do that a few times today. Um and I want to open with, with this one quote uh, as Blake watches Bristles sort of tackle the barber for the first time. And uh, Blake says, The barber's attempts to beat, batter, and wrestle with the boogeyman were proving largely ineffective. Bristles was a sponge for abuse. <laughs> um, <laughs> takes, takes one to no one. Huh? Yeah, I mean, that, that's the I was like, well, shit, that means a lot coming from Blake. Yeah. Um, and I mean, as well, like that. I mean, that sort of fighting style is the only reason any of them are still here. Like, that's Blake in a nutshell. Is, Blake has just copped so much abuse, half of it self-inflicted in order to move things along, and it's just like, that's just so, the situation right here is you have this big immortal demon, and there's just this little boogeyman that just takes all the shit and keeps fighting, and here we are. Like, mm. it, yeah, I, like, I think Bristles and Blake have a lot in common. Yeah, true. Maybe that's why he connects with the others so much, is because they're like <laughs> Bristles. They're just there to take a punishment. 
Um, sure. <laughs> I've been thinking about these lawyers, putting Mrs. Lewis aside for a second, especially kind of thinking about the chauffeur and the possessed lawyer who we later name learn is called Christopher, which is great. Um, <laughs> I, the thing that strikes me about them is they actually aren't that intimidating. Like, Mrs. Lewis is an intimidating threat, but the the chauffeur and the possessed lawyer, they're basically the same trick over and over again. And I, I don't think that that's a fault of the writing. I think that's a fault of these two characters who are just shit at doing anything <laughs> creative, which is really what defines the strength of practitioners like Blake or Rose, where they're able to kind of pull tricks out of their asses. And these two are so often just doing the same thing. And it makes me think, like... Actually, getting to know these guys, seeing them more often, they're actually not that intimidating. The The real power of the lawyers comes from the strength of their connections with demons and the fact that they've got enough clout from being around for so long. But really, the the downside of that is they're really very one note. Yeah, or, you know, the other side of it is this might be why these two are sort of the grunts and well, you've got true. someone like Miss Lewis on top. Um, because, yeah, so we're pretty certain the chauffeur is the the guy the point of view from interlude 15 at this point right like i've seen mm. i've seen some discussions around that and it seems quite likely and i mean it like that lines up with your thesis that a lot of the people who end up working for the lawyers are just big dumb because that guy was pretty dumb yeah um, yeah so yeah yeah like i don't know i, I mean you know I, I think the sorts of people who end up with the lawyers at the start you're right are probably um not not the most creative or or the most forward thinking uh so like yeah i reckon there's something to that yeah maybe it is just my bias of like actually mrs lewis is the more of a character and more intimidating because she's smarter and that's kind of why it seems like the lower tier grunts just aren't that intimidating yeah well and she's i mean i think the implication was she's like thousands of years old not even just centuries yeah uh so you know she's she's had time to increase her repertoire a bit even if she's a slow learner she's probably you know probably gotten pretty pretty clever by this point yeah yeah definitely um so the fight rages on uh barbie attempts to use the pipes to control bristles here but bristles is basically too great to fall for these shenanigans so <laughs> he can't yeah, I don't know if we actually talked about this last episode because I got up talking about like how uh, I, I got I got caught up talking about how I kind of wanted that link between bristles and Faisal to to be more concrete mm. and um like obviously yeah it was always kind of weird that Rose summoned a dog yes. to like a, a fight with Johanna's yeah in in brackets um involved yeah in equity Johanna's <laughs> yeah exactly um. So, you know, I mean, obviously it, it works here because we get this kind of reveal about why that was worth doing. Um, but yeah, I think last chapter we forgot to call out that you're just kind of like, that's, why, why are you bringing a dog? Yeah, but when we find out why, when we find out that actually Bristles isn't a dog, technically, um, it's so great. Like, it's such a big brain play by Rose. She summons the exact perfect other to just keep Barbie slightly on the back foot, which of course, buying a few seconds in these in these fights when you know that they're about to do a gamble that you've already planned for and isn't going to work. It's such a powerful moment. And it's such a, like, it's such a mentally and theatrically devastating moment for Rose to just be like, Oh, you're going to try that. Are you? And it just doesn't <laughs> work. It's so great. Yeah. Like, 
it kind of made me think, you know, this is a bit of a Blake move, right? Like, the, well, that sort of, that Blake instincts, like, she didn't explain this to anyone. I don't know, maybe she thought it through more in her head. Well, who but would it she just explain felt- it to? Yeah, that's fair. But it felt like one of those, like, Blake instinct moves, like pulling yeah, the dog yeah. that you think won't count as a dog. That's one of those silly risks Blake would tend to take. Um, so I think all those donations to Rose are, are starting to, um, starting to wear, like, you know, show themselves. Yeah. Um, but like to go back to, to my whole like bristles is Blake type metaphor. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, like the whole thing that happens here is bristles has been too changed by the abyss to be controlled by the barber or to be anticipated by the barber. And I mean, that's kind of Blake, right? Like on a, High level, Blake is someone who I think the barber thought they had clocked. Like, the barber assumed they knew what Blake was going to do. And yeah. somehow Blake managed to tip the scales because he was a bit different to what the barber expected. So it's it's starting, it's another connection and, and starting to show this whole thing where this, these little bits of change are just too strong for, for the demon to, to overcome. Yeah. Another point that means that bristles should be the protagonist of pact two because he's so similar to the protagonist of pact one <laughs> sure mm, i like it i like that elliot um i'm i'm you know I, as the person who's read this story before i don't get to make a lot of speculations this is my one speculation bristles for protagonist of pact two <laughs> mark it down i'm calling my shot now okay Okay. I mean, this is assuming that Pack 2 even ever happens. <laughs> so, look, I'll admit it's a long shot, but goddamn, I am staking my claim on it. If it pans out, I will be hailed as, as the new Alistair. Look, I, I don't think many of my predictions were surefire things, especially if you look at how many I got right. So, yeah. I mean, it's on brand for the, for the podcast. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, while we're talking about Bristles, because, of course, that's what this podcast is just going to turn into now, um, can we talk about the fact that Bristles was originally a human? I mean, like, supposedly, and, and that he was treated like a dog so much that he turned into a dog? Because that's so fucked up, and I absolutely <laughs> love it. And it's good to know that even in what is the penultimate chapter of this story, while Bo is still coming up with new ways to horrify us yeah well i mean that like that's certainly something that's thrown out there as a possibility i kind of like that it's left ambiguous because you you know that's somehow more more horrifying this is one of those situations where i think the unknown is is more terrifying because you're like so wait is it a dog that became more human is it a human that became more dog i don't know which is more upsetting they both are um like and you know again Blake and Bristles. I, I wonder if this is. I mean, okay, so Blake is a hand in this chapter, right? Mm. And and so assuming he manages to make it through next chapter, um, you know, he can't become a, a human again. He he just gave that up. So yeah. is this the sort of thing that's going to happen to him? Is Rose going to like combine him with some abyss energy or something and turn him into a a bird version of Bristles? Hopefully, a little bit less horrifying. Mm. Um. Because I, I kind of want it to be a somewhat happy ending, but you mm. know, like, is Blake going to become a bird boogeyman? Um, oh, like, I don't know. With yeah, the I, hyena sticking out of him, <laughs> would it be a happy ending though if he turns into a version of Bristles? I mean, depends how how Bristles. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm hoping Rose could cut a deal with the Abyss and be like, "Hey, look, just just ease off on the whole misery part and mm. and just give him some form." Uh, that's that you know. Fair we enough. just fed you. We just fed you a whole big domain. Like, yeah, cut us basically a whole town. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, um, so, uh, so at this point, Rose uh, points out 
all the ways that this domain is no longer Johannes's and bids the abyss to swallow it up. And Mrs. Lewis kind of counters this in ways by pointing out ways that uh, this place is still tied to Jacob's Bell. Yeah, which like, I really get that as a defense because that seems like a two birds, one stone situation. Weren't yeah. we already trying to get rid of Jacob's <laughs> yeah, Bell? Yeah, take Jacob's <laughs> Bell too. That works for us. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, but no, the I mean, this bit's so cool. Like, you know, so much of this story has been all the, the theatrics and all that. And mm. it's laid on so thick here. It's great. Like Rose's speeches sort of cut into this chapter are all so powerful and fantastic. Like, I just, I loved it. Yes. I, so this whole kind of final showdown, I've really been enjoying. And it's kind of this bit here has really crystallized why I enjoy it so much is because they're having this like intellectual debate, basically, while they're also throwing monsters and swords and shit at each other. And it's like the <laughs> the funnest kind of fight where it's both this physical scramble, but also this incredibly intellectual debate. And it, I figured out exactly what it's analogous to. It's analogous to the Game of Kings, which is, of course, chess boxing. Um, have you seen chess <laughs> boxing before, Elliot? Yeah, yeah. So that's the one where it's like they do like a round of boxing and then they have to go and do a couple of moves of chess. Yeah. And, and then, then they kind of alternate back and forth. And, yeah. and basically it deteriorates into people who've gotten more and more beat up in a boxing ring, having to try and like focus on playing chess while their adrenaline is flipping out on them. And that's basically yeah. what this is. And it, <laughs> as chess boxing is a beautiful game, this is such a beautiful way for a conflict to evolve. I absolutely love it. Yeah. And I mean, that like, you know, we've obviously talked about this a lot, but that's what's so great about Pact is this mixture of the the power of the words means that we get to have one or the other, or in this case, like f constantly flip between the two. Like yes. this chapter is is such a yo-yo of, oh, things are bad. No, wait, they're great. No, oh, no, they're bad again. Oh, yeah. they're great. Like I was just on the edge of my seat for the entire chapter um, because, yeah, you're right. We're yo-yoing, not just between the sides, but that yo-yoing is happening because we will switch from like words to action, back to words to action. It's so yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really fun. It, yeah, I love it. It's so good. Um, so then there's this bit where, where Butsack, who actually now is pointed out to us, is the is the trash knight, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is a great reveal, because I don't think we of, knew of that course beforehand, he was. but of course it's Butsack. <laughs> Um, Butsack the Trash Knight uh, basically continues to refuse to fight until Mags promises him tons and tons of porn. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is this is fucking hilarious. Uh, we were just talking about how something that's it's a bit unique to Pact is these is the power that words have in these things. So these sorts of speeches, like in universe, are powerful, and and that makes them kind of feel more important to me as I as I'm reading and you know using that in the middle of all this shit going on to to have a powerful moment of a goblin getting promised lots of porn uh lots of weirdest shit porn it's just it's so good and like you know but sack you weren't it you go get yourself your your weirdest shit porn uh you well i don't want to use the word hero but you know he, yeah no he, he you, did can, good. you can you <laughs> can yeah, no, he does great. Um, go Butsack. Uh, okay, wait. Amend previous statement. Butsack and Bristles, it, they're going to be the two main... It's going to be a kind of ensemble cast of Butsack and Bristles uh, as the as the main characters of Pack 2. Well, it turns out Bristles is a vestige of Butsack. It's oh, yeah. a Blake and Rose oh, yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they used to be one really fucked up thing before Barbie <laughs> cut them in half. And there was too much fucked up shit left over, so they both had to have some. Um, 
Anyway, so uh, Rose basically wins the the intellectual side of the conflict here. She she's able to dismantle Mrs. Lewis's points in a way that Mrs. Lewis can't really rebut. Um, mm-hmm. And the abyss starts to claim the domain. Woo! Let's go abyss and an unambiguously f- good force. Yeah, the, this whole story. <laughs> the abyss is go, the go the abyss. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely on side, which is great. Um, and let's not question it any further. Uh, so yeah, Rose has won the intellectual battle, but of course, the physical battle is still ongoing. Uh, chess boxing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And I mean, I love this move she has here. Like, I just got to single it out the bit where I think um it's the chauffeur. This is where he he summons two like fairly powerful demons yeah and rose just kind of stands up and swipes them away um using like all the fucking power she's built up it's it's so powerful like there's there's fucking glows going around and shit it's great she gives them the old swipe left and off they go (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so and and of course this from this bit we start to see blake actually starting to come back into the action Uh, but of course he's just a hand at this point so all he can kind of do is desperately crawl his way towards where things are going on not even crawl kind of like do the worm at at the action (laughs) in the hope that he'll kind of get towards it and it's so weird and it's it's this weird payoff of like he's desperately trying to do anything even though the fact that he's just a disembodied arm like if i was a disembodied arm i'd be kind of like all right i've done my bit let's sit back (laughs) um yeah i mean that's essentially it right blake has had all of the ability to do anything taken from him. Yes, which is basically but, all that he was, is the ability well, to keep thing. doing shit. He doesn't let that stop him from doing anything. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> he doesn't let the minor inconvenience of not being able to do anything stop him from being able to do anything. Yeah. He he crawls meticulously through the chapter. And like, you know, we already touched on this. For half the chapter, Blake is just an observer while he's bound. Then he becomes unbound and he spends the whole rest of the chapter slowly crawling to the point where he can do his one thing. Yeah. And so the second half, it's like the the pressure ratchets up because Blake is still in effect an observer, but every couple of paragraphs, we quickly cut to Blake mentioning where he's slowly crawling. Yeah. And it just adds this like, oh God, is he going to get caught? Or like, is he going to get to do the thing? It's, it's, it's like a great way to ramp up the pressure while still kind of having Blake just be an observer. Yeah, and it seems pretty obvious to me that at any point, you know, Mrs. Lewis, for example, I, I should stop calling him Mrs. Lewis, Miss Lewis can just step on that arm and that would be it yeah. for Blake, but he's still so desperately trying to do something. It's it's heroic. It really is. Oh, it's it's so Blake. Yeah. Um. So Barbatorum eventually wins the fights against these mixed others that he's been battling. Uh, and and starts to move towards Rose to end this fight once and for all. And she has no allies remaining, so it looks like it's game over for Rose Thorburn. Yeah, I mean, this is sort of the the really chaotic part of the brawl. Everyone starts to sort of come together, and it's just there's there's bits and pieces flying everywhere. Um, there's there's one note that we get here about how like Peter is is on his back and he's just mm-hmm. kind of bleeding from a big injury in his back. Yeah, and that reminded me. Because I was, I was going to make a comment about how you know when he gets up later, oh, like that—that's pretty tough of him. Like, like good, good showing. Mm-hmm. And then I remembered. I think I said that in Arc Eleven when he got impaled by a doorknob in his back. Like he—he he got like just next to his shoulder blade. He got impaled by a whole doorknob stuck into him, and he—and he sort of kept going. And I was like, that's like less than twenty-four hours ago. It could be the same wound that just got reopened. Like this whole story has happened in such a short amount of time. 
that I'm like, Peter's got a big injury now on his back, and it could just be the one he got less than a day ago, aka half the body story ago. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah. Uh, the the fact that these Thorburns are just sponges for punishment is, I mean, it, it's great, right? Like, and they, yeah. let's be honest, they kind of deserve it sometimes, especially <laughs> Peter. It's interesting though, yeah, you're right, because both, both the Thorburn men that, that we have here are absolute gluttons for punishment. Maybe Bristles is a Thorburn. Mm, that's a good explanation. I like yeah, that. Yeah, he's, um, that's where Charles? Yeah, the one who was the baby. <laughs> yeah. This is Bristles is Charles. Yeah. That's that's my new that's my new head candidate. Uh, yeah, my new yeah. tinfoil theory. Um so as Barbie is moving towards Rose, he finally she kind of convinces him to use his own voice. And he does, and it's his own like Barbatorum husky crazy voice. Um and it's weird, right? Like it's this moment of he's finally given up on this ruse, which let's be honest, never really did much except for tricking some shitty spirits. Um, yeah, it's like things are more or less decided, but it, it is a bit of, it feels like that moment of the villain finally letting himself monologue a little bit. Yeah, there's a sense of finality to it. Like there's no need for him to pretend anymore. So it's kind of like, yeah. regardless of which way it goes, things are over at this point. Uh, he doesn't even need to pretend for anyone that he's got bits of Johannes in him. Yeah. Um, it, it, it definitely puts a, Puts a puts a sense of finality into what's happening in this conversation. Yeah, definitely. Um, of course, I lied before. Rose does have one ally left. Peter has gotten up from his bloody back floor spot and has snuck over and is sneakily working on freeing Faisal. Um, and everyone kind of suddenly notices him and he realizes. And Barbie just quickly goes over to try and murder him real quick. Peter has been such a fucking hero this arc. Yeah, <laughs> like. Uh, I I think it was I think it's been commented a couple of times throughout the arc, but Rose really made a good call to Peter. Holy shit! Yeah, so I guess that means Pack Two has to have three protagonists, which is starting <laughs> to get a bit crowded. I'll be honest. I'm sure it'll work out though. Um, yeah, there's this moment where uh, Paige screams at Peter to get down, and of course he doesn't. Um, Barbatorum has just thrown his sickle at Peter, and Peter's response isn't to just like listen to what his twin is doing, even though they're clearly on the same side here. It's to be like. Hmm, let me double check that first, uh, which almost means he gets fucking stabbed by this throne uh, scythe. Um, yeah, I love it. It's great. Of course, he wouldn't listen to Paige. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that icing on the cake, right? Of like yes. this this moment because it yeah, like it, it could have just been that Peter got down and that would have been fine. Would have been fine. It, it still yeah, would have exactly. set up the stuff that happens next. But there's that extra detail of like, oh well, Peter's not going to listen to Paige. I mean, we know this. Um, and I, I, I'm kind of glad that it doesn't, like, it, it'd be a bit weird at this point to learn that Peter and Paige were barbered. Um, I mm. do just kind of love them as an incredibly toxic, natural set of twins. I think yes. it so perfectly suits sort of the the natural humanness of so much of what this story has been setting up. Like, I, I love them even more as just people who can't get along. Yeah, yeah, totally. It, it's great. It's so good. Um, yeah, that dynamic is really funny. Um it's just i i just wish we had i like we're getting to the end of the story and i know that we're not gonna get eventually we're gonna have to say goodbye to these characters you know and i just want more time with them you know <laughs> yeah yeah i want same. this uh this sine da to last forever <laughs> it's crazy that it's been a million words and it doesn't feel like enough yeah yeah um yeah so we and the worst part is every time we we 
you know, we say goodbye to a character in what would normally be a a temporary circumstance, we know it's probably the final goodbye to them, right? Like at this point, Mm -hmm. Bristles gets kicked over the edge and I know we're not going to see Bristles again and it just makes me so sad. Yeah, but we also know, like, he's a boogeyman. He didn't actually get barbered. He'll live on in the abyss. Yeah, which is the, obviously, as we said before, is a perfect place since everyone there is going to be eternally happy. Well, I mean, um, I, I guess that's a good point. Is it better if Bristles got killed or if they're just, like, reforming back <laughs> no, in the abyss? No, it's better if he's back in the abyss, I think. Um, I mean, you know, it's been five years since this chapter happened, so Bristles is probably fine by now. Well, fine. You know what I mean. Yeah, back to normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, back to <laughs> the abyss. dog normal. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Barbatorum is standing over Peter and is about to kill him when suddenly... The most, I think this is right, the most unexpected help shows up. Um, <laughs> Rose's call to the abyss from last chapter uh, pays off. Uh, it all pays off because Defenestration Man is here and he does what he does. He defenestrates Barbatorum, just kind of yeets him <laughs> over the side of the tower. I, I yeah, I, I mean, those who follow my live reads know, I actually had to take a break after this happened. I, I was, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened yeah, in it's the history good, isn't of it? the world. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, just... <laughs> it's just so perfect. Like, And it's so um, undignified of a way yeah. for Barbie to be defeated as well. It's like this guy who can only do one trick does his trick and it's just pushing him out a window. I love like the, the delivery of it as well. Like Blake sets up this whole thing where he's like, and this boogeyman did the one trick he can do. Defenestration. And then the the next paragraph is just a single sentence, which is just a long pause lingered. Yeah. And wait, it, like that's just so perfect because you can just imagine Defenestration Man just pushes Barbatorum off the side of this building and everyone on the scene would just be sitting there like, the fuck? Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing that could happen. <laughs> um, yeah, this, like, it's, yeah, I, I, as you touched on, like, it's so perfect a, a way to finish this conflict because. Yeah. It's like a small agent of change that's kind of been specialized and, you know, it's his representation of change beating like a a boogeyman that should be way more powerful than it, which, you know, sorry, a boogeyman defending a demon that should be way more powerful than it, which eats shit, Faisal. Um, Yeah, yeah, I I don't know. It's just such a good representation of why change can be so powerful. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's great. Um, how do you become a defenestration boogeyman, Elliot? Like, what was it that about some pr- probably human person that um, that when they went into the abyss, the abyss was kind of like, you know what the special flavor on this person is? They love defenestration, so let's make that their gimmick. <laughs> well, what, I mean, what is the backstory I, I, there? I think the abyss is somewhat reactive to who the person is. So yeah, so that person presumably had a thing for defenestration. Yeah. I mean, you know, they were in the tenements, right? Like, it does seem like an effective yeah. way to get rid of people and, and yeah, others. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I, I've It's been too long since we did our uh, segment on defenestration for me to comment too much on the what, the larger imagery <laughs> of it and, and yeah. go into the psychology of defenestration, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I just fucking love this so much. Yeah, it's, it's good, so isn't good. it? Yes, so Barbatorum has been defeat-nestrated, uh, and so Peter can finish freeing Faisal. And as soon as Faisal appears, he, of course, is super helpful. Not. <laughs> Got him. Um, he, he closes the gates to the demon dimension, which I guess is helpful, and then just fucks off. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, speaking of smaller things that sort of use themselves cleverly to, to beat 
something much more powerful. Uh, Faisal is not that, and he can just fuck off because yep, fuck him, <laughs> and he does. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he he just bails, and I think. The reason that Peter has been introduced as a character is just so he can drop the sarcastic lines that other characters can't because that would be too close to lying. Um, and this is a perfect example. Faisal just fucks off and, of course, Peter drops some sarcasm on him because what else can you do when the angel just kind of ditches? Um, yeah. But it's not, I mean, it's not that bad, I guess, because Faisal leaving also is like completely undeniably ends the tie between Johannes and this place. That's true. That's actually like a good reason to for Faisal to have left, which probably means it was about his fourth or fifth concern uh, in doing so. <laughs> yeah, um, like I I refuse to believe that that was his primary reason. Uh, he probably, you know, it was like, oh, the battle's going to be over when I leave. I don't want to be a part of this. I'm not going to help these people. I, I've you know I've got work to get back to. Yeah. So Faisal's two missions when he came to Jacob's Bell were. Stop Johannes and stop all this demonic shit, right? Yep. So really, we've been talking about how he's fucked up his missions pretty terribly, but, I mean, it seems like everything's gone according to plan. Am I right? So actually, <laughs> Faisal, you're, an, you're a talented man, you're a genius, and I take it all back. No, Fa- Faisal's that person who doesn't contribute to the group project, but then shows up <laughs> at the end and puts his name on it. Yeah, true. In fact, no, he's, the one, he's, he's the one who sends the group project backwards by accidentally deleting everyone else's work halfway through. Yeah, but then is the one that ends up sending it to the teacher and so gets some of the credit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, the battle is won here. Uh, the abyss begins to sink the tower, um, and Mrs. Lewis turns to escape when Blake lends a hand, as he's been aiming to do, and trips her up slightly um, before you know everyone else can properly deal with her. Yep, so that's Blake's thing. He managed to do a thing. Uh, Yay, you did show. it. And I mean, yeah, like, as we said, that was just... You know, to round out the chapter of where Blake is incapable of doing anything, he didn't let that stop him. He still did a thing. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't a big thing. I mean, the battle was already over, but it did, does mean that they get to deliver some kind of um, punitive justice to Miss Lewis, which is fun. I, yeah, I, I consider trapping Miss Lewis here, uh, in, uh, like, no small thing. I think that's going to be, like, that's important to me that, that she doesn't get out of this. Yeah, she shouldn't just get to walk away from all this fuckery that she's caused. I think caused is the right word here. I Even if she hasn't, like, karma in the actual sense, not the spirit not the, sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's, a, it's a, a gargantuan effort put in by Blake for a minor result, but that minor result has some good consequences that make us feel good. It yeah. doesn't feel like a, like a Pyrrhic victory. It feels like a proper... You actually get to, you know, she doesn't escape. She doesn't get to get away from this. She's actually going to face some fucking consequences. Yeah, but it's also, it's so Blake, like, I mean, this whole chapter was all this stuff Blake has set up because Blake was so pivotal to everyone getting here to to do this battle and to win it. Yeah. But he didn't actually get to participate in the final thing. And like, that's sort of what happens here. He manages to trip Miss Lewis enough that everyone else can actually deal with her and you know that's just that's just where blake is now he's still even though he can't do anything he's still able to tip the scales a little bit so that everyone else can can act um so you know i yeah that's just that's what a hero blake is Mm. yeah yeah um so yeah mrs lewis is caught and uh, mags takes out some of her own frustration on her smashing her in the face with the pipe gun so that's fun Yeah, I, I, I do love, like, you know, obviously Miss Lewis makes this callback. She's like, oh, I didn't want to have to do this. And she starts to say Ornius. And um, 
wait, I, I loved how instantly recognizable that was and how I instantly yeah. understood what was happening. Because that's a, Well, that was the first demon that we learned, right? Yeah, but that's such an ancient callback. Like I don't think the word Orneus has appeared in this story since like chapter like two dot three. Yeah. So that's like a year ago and it's still so memorable, which is really a testament to how well set up it was. Yeah, totally. A, a year ago that she just said Orn and I was like, oh fuck, here we go. And then yeah, yeah, yeah Mags's um pipe gunning of the situation is also just perfect. Yeah, the pipe gun actually makes me think that we haven't seen Andy or Ava in a long time. Since the rocket launcher blew up the lawyers, it's kind of like, oh, I hope they're okay. I mean, it seems like they've gotten the hell out of Dodge, which is undeniably the right move by them. But um, yeah, I hope they're doing okay. I mean, it probably means we're not going to see them before the end of the story, which is, I don't know, it's sad. We're at at the point where it's just sad to not see all these characters anymore. They were at the church, right? I mean, at least Eva was. I'm, I'm sure they both were. Because remember, there was the insanity demon and it didn't work on Eva because she was already there. True. Um, she, that was a good way for us <laughs> to say goodbye to Eva was her beating the <laughs> shit out of a demon <laughs> with her bare fucking hands and a few knives. Um, yeah. Yeah, but no, you're right. Like, I kind of apply that same sadness to everyone that we had to leave in the church because I don't know if we're going to get a chance to see much at all of them in the next chapter in an, or two chapters, really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, I mean, except for Isadora, who we know, uh, carked it, like, yeah. how's everyone else doing? We'll see. Or will we? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is, uh, this is where this chapter ends. And we've got the lawyers defeated, Barbie defenestrated, and Blake amputated. So, uh, what is next chapter going to be about? <laughs> I mean, okay, so there's all this imagery of, like, you know, the skies and the, f- and the firmament, and, and it's all red and, and black and orange and, it's now yeah. all crumbling, and they're on top of a tower that's crumbling, and they're going to have to run back down the stairs. It's just the end of Ocarina of Time, right? Mm-hmm. So yep, I thought that too, of course. <laughs> uh, like I, I, That's pretty much exactly how I've been picturing this tower ever since this thought came to me. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of like, now they're going to have to climb down the tower, and I guess if that holds, um, Barbatorum's going to be down there to present another little challenge. Um, mm. But they'll they'll skip over him probably, and and then they'll oh, and they'll save Green Eyes because she's fine and she's just out the back having a sleep. Um, you don't think we've seen the last of Green Eyes for this I, story, Elliot? I very, very much hope not. I mean, they've got to get out, right? Like the the next chapter, like Ocarina of Time. Comparisons aside, they're going to have to escape before this place gets swallowed by the abyss, presumably, because that's what Rose just started, like the process of. Mm. So, like, they can't leave Green Eyes behind. Oh, I suppose they can. She she'll be fine in the abyss until they summon her. But they shouldn't leave her behind if they can help it. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah. Well, shit. I mean, that's that, right? Uh, <laughs> one down. What two to go? Yeah. 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 Um, now for the final time, it's time to say goodbye to one of my favorite characters from this podcast, which is the comment dive bonus bit, which has uh, been a, a great friend to us diving back into the comments. Um, we'll say goodbye to all of these great users that we've been seeing leaving comments five years in the past. Um, we've pulled out comments of what people were saying when this chapter came up five years ago. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. I mean, this is not really related to the comment I pulled out, but of course, people don't know that the chapter's, like, that the story's about to end. So there are a few people being like, oh, man, I wonder if this thing's going to happen next or this thing. And I'm just kind of like, oh, yeah, they don't know that it's, like, <laughs> about to be over. Yeah, I think there were some comments, like, right at the top of some Arc 15 chapters or, or something, sort of, where Wabo said, you know, the end was approaching and it was only an arc or so left. Um, But, you know, 
when it's happening live, it was like, well, I don't know if, if this is the last one of the arc, if there's going to be five more. Yeah. Um, so you don't know how much you've got to work with. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's a it's good just point. Interest, it's interesting to read comments with that in mind of like, yeah, what I, what would people have thought when this was first coming out? Um, yeah, because my understanding of what's happening is undoubtedly being shaped by the fact that I know there's one more chapter and then an epilogue. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I put out a comment by a user called, let me check my notes, uh, Wildbow. Um, well, uh, the initial comment was by Sir Fuente, who basically pointed out that we get a name for this lawyer here. Uh, uh, Christopher, the possessed lawyer, is referred to by name. Um, and Sir Fuente just called out that was a bit weird. And Wabo's comment, which I thought was great, was, lawyers lose their identities. Demons don't. Uh, which obviously just means (laughs) the name of this demon that's possessing him is Christopher, which is a really weird... Like, it's a really weird name for a demon. It's really strange. But I also just like it. Like, it's just a fun little reveal that Christopher was actually the demon's name all along, which indicates to me that this possessed lawyer is actually much more demon than he is lawyer at this point. Um, Yeah, especially I actually, I I went and looked up the meaning of the name Christopher, and Mm. it means um, bearer of Christ. Uh, yeah, we, what does that mean? I mean, yeah, well, maybe Christopher is the is the new name of the lawyer and the demon's name is Christ. Um, Interesting. <laughs> no, like, like, I don't know. I mean, it could be a thing where, like, the, you know, he'd already been taken over when they signed up or something, but because it was more demon than human, it didn't lose its identity in the same way. Like, you know, kind of mm. like if, if Barbatorum had been conscripted at this point, it might have still been called barbatorum or johannes um anyway it's definitely it's fun it's it's a fun little comment like uh yeah this is such a great sort of like what the fuck comment for wildbo to throw into the <laughs> the section yeah it's a real wildboism isn't it <laughs> um so i pulled out a comment uh by great worm gold who um pe- people were talking about uh you know that moment between maggie and buttsack like uh, of course and uh <laughs> great worm gold points out that maggie promised the pawn in in the form of flash drives, mm. which means Buttsack will need a computer to be able to access the porn he's given, which is just such a f- hilarious image to me that I had to bring this <laughs> comment up because, like, I'm just imagining, like, Buttsack having a username and password for his PC. Yeah, do you think he has, like, a laptop or something? <laughs> like, how does this work? I mean, like, yeah, that's he does seem clever enough to try and use one, but just, like, the image of what Buttsack would do to a poor, like, Windows install is is yeah. hilarious to me. Um, the viruses yeah. he would accumulate very quickly. <laughs> yeah, what a, man, a goblin computer must be the most <laughs> abyssal hellhole of, of uh, malicious hardware, uh, software. Um, <sighs> yep, yeah. all right, well, goodbye, commenters. Um, thanks for joining us on this journey. It's been great. Hearing your thoughts from five years in the future or five years in the past, depending on your frame of reference. Um, But that's the end of our discussion on Judgment 16.2. Thanks for joining us, folks. Remember, we are running our final discussion question, and we'll be talking about the answers to that next week. Um, That discussion question is, what does PACT mean to you? You can leave your answers to that in our discussion thread, which will be in the show notes down below. We've already got a lot of really soulful answers, and I'm excited to, to hear some more. Awesome. Um... I, I also, if you just wanted to answer that in the thread for last chapter, that might not be a bad idea because this this episode's thread is going to be doubling as our like you know wider announcement that Wildbo's joining it joining yes, us. Yes, um, true. So it it well, you know hope, we're hoping it'll get to be a busier thread than normal, and you might even have more luck answering the discussion question in the other thread. So it's it's up to you, but um might be might get more 
I get more visibility in the other thread despite it being yeah. older. Well, or just leave it in this one early and then people will comment on it, I guess, because they'll be there for the announcement. I don't That's know. true, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, so in case you haven't heard yet, I've got a special surprise, which is our show's coming to an end, but we're doing a 24-hour live stream. I don't know if you've heard <laughs> that or not, um, but we're doing a 24-hour live stream in about a week, so tune in for that. It's going to be a, a whole barrel of fun. I Actually, a friend has loaned me her tarot card decks, and I'm learning how to do tarot card readings. I'll do your reading, Elliot, and I'll do yes. some left-hand, right-hand readings for the audience as well that's there at the time. So it'll be a bunch of fun. You can find out you know, if Barbie splits you in half, what's the left hand going to be? What's the right <laughs> hand going to be? Uh, yeah, I can't wait for that. Um... Don't forget as well, like we, we posted in last chapter stuff, that form where you can submit fan art and fan fiction. Yes, uh, true. And, and while you're sort of in that frame of mind, uh, remember that the We've Got Ward guys are running a, uh, you know, Pact and Parahumans in, in that order, fan art contest uh, <laughs> yeah. on, on the theme of acceptance. And I think entries are due uh, next Wednesday, when uh, mm. March the 4th. So get drawing. Yeah, talking about fan art, can we talk about that great piece of packed fan art that came out this week? Um, I, I can't remember who was who uh, uh, authored Aqu- it. Aquila. Aquila, um, yes. We, we, we will be giving it plenty of attention. Yes, true. In the, in fair, the live fair. Stream, we'll be I talking think. about it in the live stream. But man, it's so good. I absolutely it's so love good. it. Check it out if you haven't already. It's got butt sack in it, so of course it's perfect. Um, and if you want to uh, vote on that fan art contest when it ends next week, uh, to do that, you need to be a patron. So head yep. on over to do, uh, patreon.com forward slash doofmedia. That's yep. where you can get all the other perks as well, but, you know, including that one where you get to vote. Yeah, while you're on Patreon, why don't you head on over to Wildbo's Patreon as a thanks for, to him for coming on the show, I guess. <laughs> um, that's patreon.com forward slash Wildbo. You can support him in all the great work he does. I mean, you know, obviously um, we're getting to the end of Pact, and I don't think it's a secret to say that this story is so great. Um, and the only <laughs> reason Wildbo can write great stories like this is because... He has patrons that support him, so um, do that. Yes. Uh, and so apart from that, we'll see everyone on Tuesday, the 3rd of March, Whoa. for Judgment 1613, um, because, uh, you know, leap years. There's a yeah. leap year day this year, but there wasn't five years ago. If you know what leap years are, you'll understand why. Um, but so we'll be... <laughs> Explain it, Elliot, in more detail. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll be we'll be a day later uh, for our two episodes next week. Well, episode on a live stream. Uh, so we'll see you all on yep. Tuesday. The, the final proper episode. Oh, it's daunting. Um, yeah, we'll see you all then. Bye. Bye.